0: Welcome to the Bifocal Podcast with John White and Jason Himmelstein, where we talk about business intelligence and the Microsoft stack with news, interviews, and expert opinions from around the space. This is episode 245, recorded on January 6th, 2023, where John and Jason do a year in review for all things Power BI in 2022. Happy New Year, Jace. How are you now? John, I'm pretty fantastic. It's been a wild couple of weeks on my yep. end. Oh yeah. Yeah. Texas went through the same winter storm that lots of other places did. It got down to about fourteen degrees here at one point. And yesterday it was like eighty. <laughs> so Did we swap? Because it's been raining here for about a week and a half. Yeah. It's been <laughs> I'm getting ready to build an arc. It's been completely nutty. <laughs> it really has the the end of the year i thought i was done with travel john as you and i had talked i yes. thought i was going to be home for the whole time and then things went a little crazy you know just to to recap a personal story for just a minute we were in denmark i found out that my car was in desperate need of some uh, repairs and decided that it was going to be time to acquire something new started looking and you know had made some decisions around what i wasn't going to get and then you know some crazy billionaires decided to do some things differently and i ended up getting the car that i originally wanted I had to pick it up by the end of the year my son and i actually had to fly to go pick it up and then drive it back which that turned out to be a lot of fun i took the day off and we went and did that and uh, drove it home i went across my first permanent border control station. I've never been across one in the side like this was uh, yeah, 100 miles from the border in Texas. Like mm-hmm. I had to fly to the border. You could see the Rio Grande. You could look into Mexico from where we were at okay. the dealership. But driving back, we were 100 miles from the border and there's a permanent border crossing, basically like where they, not border crossing, but uh, inspection, it's human trafficking. Yeah, where they take everybody off the highway, you stop and they look in the back of your vehicle. (laughs) Yeah, they they waved Max and I right through, however. (laughs) two very, very white boys in a brand new uh, high-end vehicle. Yeah. So I ended up getting a Tesla Model Y. They looked at me and went, I rolled my windows down so they could look in easily. And the guy just waved me through. He's like, you're go. Don't, don't, go, don't go. even slow down. But that was interesting for me because I've never seen one of those. You know, living in San Antonio, it's something that we deal with on a regular basis. We've had a lot of human trafficking issues. One of my neighbors works for Homeland, and I, I hear some of the stories of some of the atrocities. We've had some really bad things in the news over the years. But, uh, you know, that they're doing what they can to crack down on that, whether it's people just trying to cross the border without legality or people truly, when I think human trafficking, I yeah, think of City, but it truly is You know, they're, they're looking for people coming into this country that are not coming through legally as well as unfortunately the folks coming across in big trucks who are you know in really unsanitary conditions and being treated horribly so it was a very interesting thing for me but uh, was able to get rid of my old car for a good price and pick up the new car and that all happened just whirlwind style at the end of the year and it's been a lot of fun so far, I'm really enjoying it so that was my Hanukkah present and uh, yeah, so you and I have talked a little bit, but we were supposed to do this recording and then all of that stuff happened. So <laughs> the personal sort of took over the, for a little bit and uh, everybody's back at bad. school now. And so life is life is easier and better. And uh, we wanted to make sure that we got this out because we like to do this recap of the previous year. And I think it's going to be really important this year as well because it's different now. Since I joined Microsoft, it's a little bit different. We had a lowered focus this year, but because you were selling a company, I had just taken a new career. So I think it's worthy of of note to recap some of the things that went on this year, non-personal, right? That uh, we're we're in the business side of things on the Power BI world. So... We we spent some time this morning just going back through, trying to see what we have done, what has happened in the world of Power BI over the course of you know 2022, and then we're going to recap our predictions because we do this every single year. It's a little bit tougher this year because I have to steer away from things for that you. I specifically know, yeah. right? And for you as well because you're you're in the know through the MVP program oh, and man. you know more than the average bear, John. More than the average bear. But this year, especially, there's so much great stuff that's going to come in 2023. So we're going to steer away from that, which we know, and sort of speculate on things that we don't and go from there.
1: This episode of the Bifocal Podcast is sponsored by TIGRAPH. The award winning reporting and analytics platform for Office 365. Get the full picture of your Office 365 network by using Tigraph. See how customers leverage its actionable insights to better understand their organization's usage, collaboration, and adoption patterns. Try Tigraph today. Sign up for a free trial at
0: tigraph.com. So let's recap for a few minutes. January was a bust. As it usually (laughs) is. Usually is, right? (laughs) And having now worked at Microsoft through the month of December, I can tell you it's it's a quiet place. (laughs) So many folks take off at the end of the year because we have so many big things that happen throughout the course of the year. It was really, really quiet inside the halls of microsoft in the month of december things are starting to spark back up big time here in january as we're looking at where we're going what we're doing big deliverables still on the horizon for this year fiscal year and calendar year but the month of december leads it into the month of January where we don't have desktop drop or service drop, they get publicly announced. We do the report, the PBIRS release that happens yeah, in I'm January. Better. But beyond that, it's generally pretty quiet. So 2022 was no exception to that. There was no news of, of note that we had. And you and I sort of took it easy in the month of January. However, February, we dove right back in and we got into the Power BI 2022 release wave pawn plan. That's a mouthful. Yeah. And you and I went through that in detail, all the things that we knew and didn't about what was going to happen in wave one for 2022. And I will say we hit the mark fairly well. I think that there was a decent amount of slippage that's going into this next wave, into wave two, which is what we're in right now. But but uh, well, that's it, okay. Yeah. I mean, and it, you expect yeah. that when it's software development, Right.
1: Exactly. And, and, you know, the talking about it openly and we know what's coming if it, if, it, if it don't hit the mark, that's okay. It's it's a good idea for people to, to allow, uh, try that again, to allow people <laughs> to plan for things and, you know, schedules change, schedules change. But overall, and from, from a strategy standpoint, it's good to know.
0: Yeah. And there's some interesting stuff that happened in the month of February that we started to announce and it started to trickle out at the end of 2021, but really big in twenty yes. No, no, no. Oh, okay. I meant what I said, and I said what oh, I meant okay. on that one. At the end of 2021, we started to ah. see the tricklings of this. But at the beginning of 2022, what we saw was we started to see the sensitivity label work really coming to fruition. We started right. to see stuff hitting a lot more and people talking about a lot more. You know, Purview had gotten talked about at, around this time, but it didn't have its name yet. You know, it was still, there was a lot going on in the space across all of the Microsoft products to try and bring information protection to the forefront sensitivity to the forefront because in trying to make it something that people had to think about a lot less power bi was no exception and in february we we saw a downstream inheritance show up and default policies for sensitivity label work happening at this point so that made it you know hey we actually have a default policy that we're going to push out to everything and that goes across the board so you have to actually change it if you want that to be different. So I liked that. I thought it was really a good thing. It's not something that personally, I have a lot of customers that are actively talking to me about. I know some customers are actively using it already. They found it fairly simple to implement, but you know I haven't run into many problems with it. Therefore, I haven't had to deal with it much. I will say inside the halls of Microsoft, we use it a lot.
1: That's good. So, That's good. Well, we also got the new format pane in, uh, in February. The first, first crack at it, at the very least. It went through a few iterations before it went GA. And that's an attempt just basically to make, it, uh, formatting the visuals, uh, and your report a little more approachable to end users. And I certainly applaud it. The idea was to reduce the number of clicks to get to certain items. In some cases, they increased the number of clicks to get to certain items. But that was ameliorated later on. I really like what we wound up with by the end
0: of the year. There were a lot of people unhappy about this when it first came out. There was yep. a lot of chatter. And one of the things that I appreciated, and I didn't get to really appreciate it until I joined Microsoft a couple of months later, was that the PMs who did this actually opened a forum and said, tell us what you don't like, what you do like. Mm -hmm. a dedicated Mm -hmm. forum asking questions about this. And later on, we actually got a lot of interaction between those folks who were vocal about it and the PMs trying to show, hey, here's why we're doing this, etc. We'll get to that a little bit later. In February, we got to the point where, with the February release of Power BI Desktop, WebView 2 was now required. That went well. <laughs> you know, John, you can't make an omelet without shattering Breaking like a, a couple eggs. dozen eggs.
1: You yeah, know, it is, and it's it's a good idea. We're bringing us, you know, you're modernizing the rendering experience behind the scenes. It has caused a little bit of grief. I can remember a certain presentation we were doing that it just completely killed everything for me. So I was pretty happy about it at that point in time. But. Yeah. uh I got to say, you know, I, I don't know if it's true for everybody, but it's been pretty stable for me for the last little while. So, you know, it's one of those humps you just have to get through.
0: Well, I will say that a lot of testing goes into every desktop release now with WebView2. <laughs> yes, I so imagine it does. We we try to make sure that you don't run into problems with it. That is for sure. <laughs> you've, got, you've got the John test on there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just mm-hmm. make sure it doesn't happen to John. <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking about the, the wider world, man. It's, uh, oh, okay, it definitely okay. is something that is much more focused on because it's uh, it's a part of it. Like WebView 2 is required for us to be able to move forward. Uh, it basically, in CNC, is a version of the service underneath the hood of Power BI Desktop for you. So, it is a... Dependency, yeah. So, and it is going to require a little bit more horsepower. You know, we've always said to people, you can't really do Power BI Desktop with uh, two cores and four gigs of RAM.
1: Yeah. So,
0: no. you know, it is something that like, when I joined EY right at the beginning, they said, "Hey, here's the default laptop: two cores, and eight gigs of RAM." I said, "And what exactly no. would you like for me to do with that?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's great for Teams. I can do a Teams no, meeting. <laughs> James <laughs> uses Electron that needs eight cores. <laughs> I know, so but you know, trying to do Power BI Desktop is uh, is something that requires a little bit more horsepower than than your default web view experience. And by web view, I mean on the web. Like you can't use a Chromebook for this, even if Chromebooks actually ran Power BI Desktop. Uh, anyway, moving right along. Power BI Goals, and at this point, we're still calling it Goals. Uh, got we're, some, still in, we're still in February. For the yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got a couple of interesting things. It got notifications, it got multiple owners, and it got access into my workspace. So moving right along into March, we got some updates to the Azure Maps visuals, and this <laughs> pre, uh, sort of is the preliminary of where we're heading. Yeah, geolocation finally shows up. Right.
1: Yeah. That's the notable change here. Right. Because that was the thing that was, well, that was one of the things that was missing from the uh, big maps visual, the, the, the old Power BI map visual. And that was kind of table stakes. If you ask me to be able to replace that. The other one in my mind is the ability to work with published to web. And that still doesn't work today. And uh, I, I, Don't know where that's at, but uh, they have moved forward with making this map visual, the default one. You have to go and if you want to use the old one, you have to go and turn it on now. But uh, it's a problem if you are publishing public reports with public data that you can't really, you'll have to go back and, and pick the old map visual, at least today, for displaying that.
0: Yeah. So the next thing we have here is changing the default power be at home layout. I love this. This was something I was in favor of from the outset. It looks a lot more like office home, and it just makes things a lot easier to be blunt I don't remember the old one because I really wasn't a big fan of it you know I had uh, I had talked it with some folks at Microsoft about 2 years before and you know they had asked me what would I change on that if I had my choice and i said basically copy what office is do- uh, uh, the home for office is doing because yeah. it's fantastic uh, yeah. the- Sort of looks a lot like what we have done. We also get quick create from SharePoint document libraries. We had lists before. This makes it from document libraries, which was a nice update. It works just as well for libraries as it does for lists. Yeah, (laughs) take that for what it's worth. So in March, we also did a deep dive on Azure Data Explorer, also known as Kusto. So John, you went into some good detail on this highly recommend people go back and take a listen to this because you're are an expert on this at this point it's really it was a good uh intro for me into it and since i have done uh some things with custo i'm a big fan we actually do a session on uh custo at some conferences and we'll get to predictions in a little bit but i'll, I'll give a teaser i think it's going to become more and more important
1: but, well, it already is. We're seeing, we're seeing it more and more within, it's getting more and more oxygen within within Microsoft, which for years and years, it's been, it's been uh, an unsung hero if
0: you ask me. Yeah. So as we move into April, while well, it was pretty huge for me because that was when I joined Microsoft and part of why we got a little quiet around this time, you know, tooltips are now supporting, support drill down action for matrix lines and area charts, uh, yeah. as well as dynamic M query parameters are now generally available. I was just gonna
1: say those M- Parameter, those dynamic M parameters are a big deal if you use a lot of direct query. You can really, really optimize um, what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. and Of course, the tool tips are a big UI improvement if you are designing highly interactive reports with a whole lot of drill downs and drill throughs. Visibility or discoverability of those things was not always the best before this.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that. Now, I will say we got quiet around this time, partially because build was coming up. So yeah. build happens in, in generally in the May timeframe. Yep. So in May, we got a Power BI desktop release, but we also got some big build announcements that happened as well. So I'm going to cover off the build announcements first, and then we'll come back to the other from a build announcements perspective. We got data marts, John, this was absolutely yeah. massive.
1: That's one of the big stories for the year. If you ask me is, uh is, is the, the data Mart, and for what it does, I mean, it's, it's interesting in and of itself. But why I think it's so important for this year is this this is the first time we've seen a web-based data set editor from Power BI. It's very rudimentary. There's not a lot you can do with it yet, but you can do something. And so I think that's going to form the basis of, uh, of, of a lot of things moving forward.
0: Yeah, I will completely agree with that statement. It was to me really massive. I had, I had an inkling about it ahead of time because I literally had just joined Microsoft. It's like, Oh, and by the way, we're going to do this. I was like, Oh, that sounds really cool. The next one was even bigger to me. Yeah, because I really love this feature. We use this all the time. This was something that I desperately wanted back. We had something like this back in the old SharePoint days when we did Power Pivot for SharePoint with Power View, right? but the days when Power BI wasn't Power BI yet, yes, but it was still, so, but it was still called Power BI. Correct. We had we have now have PowerPoint integration for Power BI reports, which yes. means not that we have an image, but we actually have interactivity, interactive capabilities of embedding a report and be able to drill around in that report live in PowerPoint. So when you're in a meeting and wanting to show data. You don't have to just rely on, oh, well, this is an old chart. No, you actually have the live connection to the report, visualizing that report in PowerPoint. As long as you're connected to the web, you can get to it. Now, you have to be connected to the public internet so you can hit Power BI, but you know, if. That was, was really, really huge to me. I was a big fan. The next couple here, goals becomes metrics. We see a name change there. A so renamed, we yeah. calling it goals at that point. And we're not we're not even going to ever call it goals again. We're in 2023. So you're only going to hear us moving forward, calling it metrics after this point. Auto aggregations becomes generally available, which is yep. huge. And then we we actually get the execute queries API as generally available. Yeah, This will so prove the right- to be... A, a, a problem for a lot of my customers, <laughs> and you know this is great for smaller things. The XML endpoint is still where you want to go if you're trying to do big stuff. But this is for like stuff that fits inside of .NET API call. There are a lot of limitations. You have to go off and take a look at now, John. The desktop drop and service drop that we got, we get canvas zoom, which makes things a lot nicer. You can actually zoom in on the canvas. We get field parameters Sean this one you liked a lot. Field parameters are a big deal there's
1: something we have we've had in our product for a long time we had to build a one one will on our team as it was really creative and built out some techniques to give us this capability but it's essentially the way to uh, a way to swap out a dimension in any given visual. So, as opposed to having a whole pile of visuals on a page, you, you basically can set up one style of visual and then swap out those dimensions. And um, we're making very, very heavy use of that. It's it's very useful. I mean, it's it, this is also it's kind of it's it hasn't been described that way, but it's a piece of technical debt that gets retired from back in the ProClarity days when Microsoft got them. That was kind of something that they used to, for all the really old people listening. Uh, that was something <laughs> that uh, that was in that product back in the day that we now see here.
0: So there are two things that are not here and I meant to mention number 1 and I'm just popping it into our into our notes formatted tables uh, exportable formatted tables gets pr- becomes preview yeah yeah you know, as a part of the May service update they actually got announced at build but we didn't include it in the build notes. It was sort of this little thing that got talked about But it was really huge. The other one, John, is the fact that uh, in May, we actually released a version of PBIRS. Power BI report server came out as well. We didn't include that in our notes, but it's worthy of note that we did that also in the month of May. Other things that we thought were important here, we get this update to managing Power BI subscriptions gets a lot easier. Something that you can go off and take a look at and Understand how the subscriptions are done. It's a different way of dealing with them. And, you know, there's, there's now a subscriptions tab for admins to go take a look at worthy of note. And then we get some data set hub improvements. John there. And I, I want to mention this it seemed like every single month. We got data set hub improvements. This sure. thing kept getting better and better and better. Love. Yeah. It was getting a lot of love. And then that's what we had for the month of May. But then in June, we actually announced that we, yeah, you know, a change and we're now calling it the data hub. So it's no yeah. longer the data set hub, John, but instead we're bringing in all sorts of different data artifacts. Now that we have data marts and all of the, you know, we are now bringing in data flows, data marts, data sets into the data hub so it becomes this ubiquitous place where everything lives from a data perspective. I, I ex- almost exclusively go there these days when I'm looking to to start doing something with Power BI. I think that makes it makes a lot of sense and it, you know it, and
1: also raw data and we're going to see a little more, you know, as we got to the end of the year, we're going to see even more emphasis on that for creating new reports. Yeah.
0: So the next one here is the formatting pain actually goes GA and yep. you know people were happy and unhappy with this one there are some folks who were very vocal and came out and said oh, I I'm, I'm never going to use it blah blah, blah et etc cetera, et cetera. it's like okay well um, that's a bummer because you know then you're going to be stuck on <laughs> on the May version and I, I actually had some customers who Uh, sat around and and said that. They said, well, we're going to stick with the May version and we're not going to move forward until X, Y, and Z things happen. And happily, those things actually have happened in a lot of cases. So a lot of folks have have now started to move forward. The other one that I thought was really worthy of note from the month of June, improved single uh, support for single sign-on for all users, John. And this one was uh, around desktop, right? So we're we're getting single sign-on prompt for folks in using Power bi desktop, it is required to be signed in. It makes things a lot easier. It also helps with our telemetry quite a bit so
1: gotcha well and then we uh, it takes us to July, and we've got a significant improvement to the excel experience and i I think I know where this is headed, but essentially it's it's, it's making it a whole lot easier for Excel users to take advantage of data sets in the Power BI service to do analysis. Excel is obviously an excellent analysis tool. And it's been able to connect to data sets for for quite some time. I'm hoping it's going to be able to create data sets in the near future. It can create power pivot data sets today. They're just they're not really first class citizens in the service. I'd like them to be, but if if there are data sets within the service, there's a whole lot of features in July that make it make it much easier to discover them to connect to them and to uh, perform analysis against them.
0: I do want to mention uh cuz that we jumped ahead to June from June. The other thing that came out in June was actually connect to data marts as a preview. Now, we're going to mention it here in July as well, but there was a distinction between the two. In Ju- in June, we got the ability to do it sort of halfway there. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. We were really eager to get this all released It showed up. We were able to make a connection, but it wasn't the full style connection that we wanted. In July, we actually got the full connection that we were looking for to both SQL Server endpoint, as well as actually just to the data set itself, that's auto-generated. So, so it's two different, uh, two different distinctions. That's
1: right. Yeah. That's, yeah that's so right. That,
0: that one was interesting. And also in July, John, we got error bars. There was an update to the error bars that we got, which makes things a lot nicer, you know, in the analytics pane, you know, just getting there with fewer clicks. And lastly, in that month, from a desktop, from a desktop service perspective, we actually get display name support for the Dataverse connector. John, this one was absolutely huge for folks who are working with Dataverse. And I have a colleague, Scott Sewell, who mm-hmm. is in my mind, Mr. Dataverse. He's, yeah. he's fantastic, does some awesome videos over on YouTube. He just put out some new ones over the break that I really, really enjoyed. Highly recommend going and taking a look at him. Makes a, you know, he shows how it's a lot easier to interact with Power BI reports in Power Apps. So if you're into that, go take a look. But specifically this one, the display name support for the Dataverse connector, you no longer have to go hunt and peck and try and rename things and figure it all out. It actually just, you know, gives you the proper names from Dataverse, makes it a heck of a lot easier. Before this point, I would never bother to touch Dataverse as a data source. Now it makes it something that's approachable.
1: Excellent. Excellent, and that uh, that took us to uh, a review of the of the uh, released wave two plan. That was at the beginning of August that we we reviewed. Again, it's just a kind of a level set for what's what would happen in the next uh, six months and on. So that's kind of the period we're about to about to go through right now. So it'll be, it'll be good to uh, to go back and compare to uh, what we were talking about then.
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of really cool stuff, and some of it actually has already happened. Query scale out got announced and is out there already. Data set right. authoring in the Power BI service, you know, we're going to get to here in just a few minutes. But there's some stuff that we thought was really cool that we're starting to see in previews. We're starting to see like query scale out got announced. I believe it's out there full at this point. I could be wrong on that one. Uh, But cruise scale, that's really, really interesting. But anyway, then we got into August and we got into uh, conditional formatting for data labels. Kali, I love me some conditional formatting, John.
1: (laughs) Well, of course. I mean, you you want to call out. So it makes sense if you've got a, a label beside your table and you want to call attention to the fact that something is off or outside of whatever the bounds are, you've always, you've been, well, not always, but you've been able to do it within data and highlight data points or aggregated data points for quite some time. Now you can do it in the overall text label. It just makes sense.
0: Yes. Makes life a lot easier. And also mobile formatting now supports text box visuals. So we were at, before it was just, however it was, what you got. Now you can actually go in and make changes to the formatting of these text boxes, John, I love this. This one, because I do really like mobile reports, yeah. You know, for some of the things that I personally do, this one made things so much nicer, and it's just one of those fit and finish things that I yeah. wish would have come sooner, but it didn't, and uh, but it's there now. Still more to go,
1: but uh, but this is a this is a nice step in the right direction. Yeah, and that uh, that takes to September, and uh, one of the big things I f- I think from from September is the ability to. Uh, Auto-generate reports on existing data sets. So you've seen this trend for a little while. We first uh, we first saw it. I think it was I think we first saw it with uh, paste data, like we basically copy data from Excel, paste mm-hmm. it into a new data set. And Power BI would not only create a, a simple data set for you, but uh, but now it would create a rudimentary report with what it felt was some of the visuals, et cetera, you'd, you'd want to use. And then we saw that with SharePoint lists at first, where we're analyzing data in SharePoint lists, same sort of tech behind it. But you can never just create a brand new report and have it do that off of off of a data set that you already have that had, you know, multiple tables in it. And now now you can. So it will try and make a guess at what you've got in your in your data set, what the the again, the types of visuals that you're gonna to want to see. And it's really, I wouldn't you think it's gonna wind up with a finished product, but it does give people a jump start into a report authoring, all within the service against existing data sets.
0: Still not my favorite thing in the world. I like the beginner aspect of it. Yeah. But you know, this goes back to the old AI visuals, right? When you think about it, you know, you could just start. Trying things out, but man, this one I think people outgrow it really, really fast. You know, the the auto generate something and and hope that it's gonna be right. We're gonna get into some of the other stuff later on about, you know, some of your predictions, John. There, there's a whole bunch of stuff happening these days that's AI driven and I'm still a little bit leery on it. And oh, I, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm hopeful, but I'm just I'm still skeptical. Are you drowning in spreadsheets? Are you gasping for a better reporting solution? Let Marquee Insights throw you a lifeline. They can help you chart a course to success with Power BI, then get underway quickly with one of their quick start solutions while learning the ropes from their experienced staff. If you're ready for reporting bliss, go to marqueeinsights.com and click the Get Started button and learn how they can help you make better, faster decisions with smarter data. The other things that got, you know, that came out here, and there were a lot of big things that happened with the Ignite announcements, right? The discoverability feature for B2B content, John, was a part of the Ignite announcements. And and alongside that, there was cross tenant data sharing. And this one was really big for being able to truly share data. You know, when you already have a Power BI license, you can invite people into your tenant in the right way to be able to visualize data and, you know, be able to leverage the discoverability features under that B2B you know, type of uh, situation and grant people the right type of access. This also highlighted for people, and this is why we had to do all of that stuff where we talked back in February, John, about all the sensitivity label stuff and default policies. In order to get to this point, we had to be able to say, hey, here's what you can do. You you need to be able to secure your data if you're gonna invite other people in. So we've now given you a tool set to be able to do all of these things, but it's your responsibility now to go secure your data and to fund, like to do all of this stuff. So that's a big, big thing in my book with cross data sharing and the B2B discoverability features, really great stuff.
1: Yeah, you can do some of the stuff before, but it just wasn't immediately obvious if when someone had shared a report with you, you just had to know or be given the URL to be able to access it. And now again, through the data hub, you can go in there and see what data sets you have access to, which is really cool. Yeah, there's an the external little sharing tab right there, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the other big one, of course, was
0: paginated reports data preview. Yes. I'm a, again, anything paginated reports, I'm a big fan of. This was looking at paginated reports in the service. This is that formatted tables feature, taking a look and be able to do a lot of cool stuff. And John, we were heading down a path with this. We were going towards something really cool, which we'll get to here in just a minute. But you know, the other things that came out as a part of all of that, you know, with the Ignite announcements, there was a power query SDK for Visual Studio Code that was public, public preview. Uh, huge fan of this. I love Visual Studio Code. Love Power Query. Put the two together. I'm a happy boy. And we also got the optimized ribbon in Power BI desktop, which allows us to pause visuals. It didn't come to us till a little bit later like that. I believe it came out in in the November drop. Yeah, the announcement was then, but yeah, yeah, we did That was when the announcement happened. It was like, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're going to be like. So we got the pause. We got some optimization, lots of cool stuff. But we moved to having another tab in the ribbon called Optimize. Gives us, you know, move some things into it, add some stuff to it. I think we'll see more happening with that later on a lot of that stuff is direct query related john so uh, and we actually talked about that on a previous episode in a lot of depth other things that happened as part of the ignite announcements we announced that we were going to be doing basically a automated mm-hmm. migration from analysis from azure analysis services to power bi premium which Obemi and Christian Wade just put out a video. We're going to, I'll link that off in the blog at some point. It's about a 10 minute video where they explain this feature and then click through and show you how it's done. It's all done in the service, really fantastic. It's connecting up to the Azure service, connecting up to Power BI Premium workspace. You can create a workspace, you can link it to an existing one and click it through and see it happen. Really, really cool. We
1: actually saw that show up at the end, of by the end of the year too. Yes, just, we did. Just last month. Yeah.
0: That video got released in the middle of December, you know, about the 15th, I want to say. So we're going off and taking a look at, we also talk about the contextual on object interaction with Power BI visuals. So the Again, format. An announcement. Yeah. An announcement, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is happening. We're going to see this in 2023, John. Yeah. Really, really cool stuff, man. I am. Absolutely in love with this, but this is why we needed the formatting pane changes to happen. And then, lastly, the the best thing that I think came out as a part of all of this was the data model editing in the Power BI service. We actually yeah. start to see it in preview. It's it's super hot.
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, for the same reason I was excited about data marts, I'm excited about this. This is the future. So I, I can't wait to play with it. We haven't seen it yet. That was an announcement from from Ignite. So. I can't wait.
0: Yeah, I've seen it, John. It's pretty cool. <laughs> so, I All right. Know, I know. Hey, I, I get to do that now. Like we've That's announced right. it publicly. I can right. say I've actually played with this. This is really cool. Yeah. So in the October release, we got a reverse stack order col- uh, for stack column charts, which is something you're a big fan of, John.
1: Yeah, just you know, and for a long time, it always annoyed me that I had to scroll to the right. You know, it had to go in increasing order. For the bio, I wanted you know things to maybe start on the left-hand side chronologically. That it dates is where this really pertains to. So I'd want the most recent date on the left. Now I can do that. That's that's really, you know, it's just something you would you would want to have that that kind of control over.
0: Yep. So we also get query uh, performance improvements. We get quick measure suggestions, uh, which this is uh, DAX is hard. Let us r- help you with DAX. that's uh, yes. yes. basically what this is: is it's writing DAX for you, it's suggesting it, and like you get to see it writing the measure, like, here you go. And here are the suggestions. If you don't like what you see, you can always change it up. And like it's super cool. It's natural
1: language stuff. And yeah, it's going to give you those, basically the DAX. Again, I mean, whether or not it writes the best DAX code on the planet for you, I think it's a great learning tool. So if, you know, if I, if I want to articulate, as opposed to going out and trying to search for examples that someone's put in some kind of a forum. If you can describe your requirement and have it build some DAX for you, you can at least have a good understanding of how the DAX works. And again, as a learning tool, I think it's fantastic.
0: I completely agree. This is not something I'm trusting to write all of my DAX for me, but it's a really nice starting point. For folks who are just getting started with DAX, I think this is absolutely fantastic. So, The next one, I I love this. Uh, Relationship editing in the property pane so much easier.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, when you're in the, uh, the, you don't want to have to jump to the relationship area to draw lines, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, without having to change context, you can you can stay within the, the context you're in to, to make any changes to your overall model. So again, usability. Yeah.
0: So we get the DAX formula bar support for desktop model view, we introduced a tenant setting for Power BI data marts. So this was a big ask. Lots of people asking about this, wanting to be able to to disable it, wanting to be able to have some control over data marts. Who could create data marts was really the big one. So once we gave that capability of who could create, the adoption just went through the roof. It was really a great thing. People really have got to adopt it and start to play with it. Guest users can now create their own email subscriptions. John, this one is really nice because it doesn't require the, you know, the interaction with the owner to go back and say, hey, go ahead and create yes. this for me. It makes life a lot easier for folks. And the other one that was a huge hurdle, that was a yep. big ask, it was one of the number one user voice items or ideas items was download a PBX is now available for more scenarios. We have conquered most of the scenarios that were out there uh, that were blocked. There are still a few edge cases, but man, it is uh a lot easier for people be able to go and download the PBX file from the service. And we even got the connect to data setting here. Get a copy of a report with a live connection or just download with data. Both of them are there, really, really nice.
1: B- bottom line is, if I can re- if I can rely on the ability to pull re- my PBIX down from the service, I'm not going to be anywhere near as concerned with maintaining it on, on some kind of a local file system. I still don't get version control. I want version control. I want I want GitHub support is what I want. But
0: I'll take this. Well, you know, John, be happy with what you get every once in a while. I'm G- used ways. to that. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're married. I, I know yeah, exactly. Is, so. <laughs> Although you're. Your wife is really awesome. Uh, you yes, yeah. Oliveira. Not that you listen to this, but uh, anyway, <laughs> zero chance of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving right along, man. October was a really big month from a from a things we got perspective. November brings us a really big announcement. My favorite announcement of the year, bar none, was announcing paginated reports now in Pro. Sure. And that just basically means, you know, these things are not second-class
1: citizens anymore, or they're not just for these particular use cases, or not just for when you can justify the spend. They are for when you need organizational reports versus analytical reports. You can make the decision to use paginated versus PBIX. We still need a good name to distinguish the an interactive report a PBIX-style file, but that's why I'll call it PBIX not always the best tool to use. So now that decision is going to be based on the need versus licensing.
0: And I think that's really important. Yeah, so that was really huge. We also got uh, creating dynamic slicers using field parameters, which I know you're a fan of John. Yep, field parameters are, are,
1: are. We already talked about them a little bit, but now the slicers are essentially sensitive to them. So the slice value of parameter you've got selected for a specific visual will be reflected in the slicer itself. So depending on what you have selected for the visual, the slicer will be uh, will, will will reflect it as well. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah. So we also streamline your authoring report with the optimized ribbon. I think we talked a little bit about that. A new way to upload Power BI and Excel files, John. I know you're love this one.
1: The data hub, right? That data hub, that change, it's not just for data sets. Now it's for actual data. You're not going to be clicking on that get data button in the bottom left-hand corner of the service UI. Now you're going to be going to the data uh, the data hub and uploading your Excel file if the if the data in question is Excel or a CSV file, um, putting it in that way. So that, that's a big change. That's something that's been there in the service for a long time. And it's going to necessitate some rethinking of of the way we do things. Things like connecting to Excel—that's not going to work through this mechanism. It's it's going to be a different way. But again, it's pointing everybody at that data hub. The data hub. The data hub is the place to get and work with data.
0: Yeah, and this uh, just just highlights that importance once again. But you know. It's it's getting better and better, in my opinion. John, let's go back to subscriptions again, because we brought something new here in November, which is subscribe to a report with filters applied. It's no longer just, oh, you're subscribing to the base level report, but instead, your personalization features, you're able to subscribe based upon your personalization features, and you can choose to do that or choose to not do that in in the subscription itself. But if you like how you look at the report and you have to go do that every single time, you now can get the subscription where it sends you a notification, you click on it and boom, right there, it takes you to your personalization feature set of uh, filters on that report. And uh, yeah, the other one here is formatted table authoring experience. So John, I've been a fan of featured uh, formatted tables since we announced it, since it came out. I've been working with that team a lot we changed how we were doing the formatting because we've been trickling things out month over month, making it better and better each time. At the very beginning, it was boom, here's what you get and that's it. And then the next month we brought you a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And now we really have gotten to the point where it's really very usable for a lot of folks and now that we have power bi pro we actually can leverage that as the baseline for starting with your pagina report then you can open up report builder make modifications publish it back in it's no longer a premium requirement but you know it's uh, but it is going to require you to reopen that with uh pagina report builder as you go forward it's longer right. going to be open in formatted tables but it's a great place to start and it's a great place for a lot of folks. They may never actually open a report builder, John.
1: Yep. Again, it's it's just a great way to get started. That's yeah. the important part.
0: And we're finally at December, John. Wow, yeah. you know, I don't know why we always think we could fit predictions into this. We're gonna have to break this into two episodes, man. I think so. So but Let's go ahead and talk about December. December brings us something that's really important for people using Power BI Premium, and that is data set refresh cancellation is now available in Power BI Premium. This is huge. This uh, yep. you used to have to sit there and wait. You couldn't cancel it. You could stop a premium work uh, a premium subscription, but that well, was it.
1: No, only if it's an A SKU.
0: Yeah. Not if that's it's a P SKU. You're yeah, right. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah,
1: ha- having have have been 80s. in my,
0: having been in the world I was in for so long, and with my customer base That's today, the same thing, right? I, think yeah. but, I think of a before I think of peace. But you're, sh-
1: so. you're you're shutting down the whole capacity, not just your that one report refresh. So yeah, yeah it's a bit
0: drastic. <laughs> well, we don't have to do that anymore, John. No. No, no, that's definitely a good thing. So in December, we got something that generated more questions than uh, answers. (laughs) No, no, they're they're good answers to the questions, but simplifying uh, capacity management with Unified vCores is an explanation of how we are handling things from a core management perspective. Chris Novak wrote a fantastic blog article, in my opinion. I've talked with the man quite a bit on this topic and we're looking forward to having him on the podcast here in in the not too distant future to talk more in depth about that topic, but you know, definitely go back. You can listen to what our thoughts were on it in our previous episode, but also we'll get Chris on to really deep dive into it. We have the slicer type formatting, move to the format pane. Holy John, I'm right. a huge fan of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I use slicers on funky. every
0: report. i that, That's fan. that
1: little drop down and the slicer. If you hover over it in the right circumstance, yep. and if you're lucky and it's Tuesday, you can mm-hmm. get in there. Yeah, now it's just the format, pane.
0: Yeah. So, you know, John, we did not even cover off the fact that we uh, made a huge update to the Power BI organizational apps here this year, but we did uh, get multiple audiences becoming generally available Net, you know, in 2023, it was. I think it was supposed to potentially hit at the end of 2022, but we just made a, a blanket statement. Yes, in fact, it is a. Uh, it is going to happen in 2023, but that has been out there in preview for a little while. People have really been liking it. I've heard great things. And lastly, John there, we announced that their upcoming changes to the Get Data experience in the Power BI service, as yep. well as a deprecation of some of the old ways that that's uh, right of, uh, of doing things and seeing it, it's going to happen.
1: It kind of goes along with what I was talking about before about the new way of uploading your Power BI and Excel files. This is kind of this is the same thing. They're just coming out and explicitly saying, yes, now that we have this ability, this thing is going to go away in a little while. We know we have to add in the capability to connect to Excel files versus create data from them, right? There's that, that distinction. But once that's there, this get, get data button is going to go away.
0: And I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I am as well, John. I like the new look. I like the way that we're heading. I think it's going to be good. Excellent. That's pretty much the year, sir. It was a good year. Was, you know, it, it was like not as one. it was not as jam-packed with brand new shiny things as some of the previous years. A yeah. lot of fit and finish—that was one of the things that we talked about throughout the I, course of the year. Wow, this is a lot of fit and finish, and yeah. it was. And I will say, it's gotten a lot better. We also glossed over the fact that uh, we have a new color, John. Oh, yeah, that was the biggest, biggest
1: thing, right? It's teal, not yellow. Oh, boy. Well, our brand is still yellow.
0: Our accent color is now teal. Accent it's, color is teal. Yeah, it's a good thing. And, uh, you know, it's going to be good. It is what it is. All right. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, we're definitely not going to do our predictions in this episode. We're going to well, save them for the next one, because next this has time. gone long to begin with. Next year, we're going to remember this. I say that every year. I I doubt it.
1: (laughs) Anyway, but I will talk to you soon. All right, sir. You have a good one. We'll see you next time.
0: Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Bifocal Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or via your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter at BifocalShow. The show notes for this and all of the Bifocal podcasts can be found on the bifocal.show blog. The music for the Bifocal podcast is Indie Rock by Scott Holmes and is shared under Creative Commons.